America Meditating Radio Show, we collect wisdom, inspire each other, and empower hearts 24-7. Hi, I'm Sister Jenna. Join me and guests as we amplify stories that compel us to be more for ourselves and everyone else around us. Do you like to meditate? Have you tried to meditate? Have you struggled with meditation? Why don't you visit one of the Brahma Kumaris Meditation Center? Visit brahmakumaris.org. In 1987, some first graders were promised a college education. This came from Oral Lee Brown, who saved a large portion of her modest income, sending 19 kids to college, helping others pass it on from the Foundation for a Better Life at values.com. That's what it's about, everybody. We are here to help each other up, because when I rise, you can rise. You're tuning into America Meditating Radio Show, and I'm your host, Sister Jenna. We have a chance of really meeting each other every morning, Monday through Friday live, to really learn more about what's inside of our hearts and hopefully to make us better human beings. But if by chance you just can't tune in at 8, you can get us on the free Pause for Peace app, which you can download in any smartphone, or go to our meditationmuseum.org website, or of course, AHA Radios, Breakers, Stitcher, iTunes. However best it suits you, you're welcome to joining on the conversations that we host in the morning time. Today we're really thrilled we're going to be interviewing Alanis Morissette, and she's going to be updating us on her journey and how life has been unfolding for her. But before we get Alana on, we're going to go to visit Sister Gita and find out what readings she has for us to set the tone and to bring us into a very loving and calm space. Sister Gita, what's one of your readings for today? Good morning, America Meditating. I said to the Divine, what shall I read today? And this came to mind, what's it all about, drama? What is it all about? And it was very helpful for me. The world drama and the benefits. This world drama is a game. Whatever is happening is good. This is an eternal truth. Games always give happiness. The attitude of a game gives happiness. The drama is constantly in motion, and every event is the basis of future events. This world drama is greatly beneficial. If you know it accurately, you will see the benefit in every scene that comes. If we would not have fallen, how could the Supreme play his part of uplifting us? And the connection with this being gives us the experience of supersensuous joy. So, if you look with divine insight, you will see the benefit merged in every event. The accurate knower of drama will understand this deep secret. It is now the benevolent age, and so... Whatever scene that comes in front of you is filled with benefit. You may not feel it in the present, but it will be revealed to you in the future. That scene has now brought this benefit. If you remember wonderful drama, wonderful, 
you will always be happy and never feel distressed or nervous in your life. Service of many will take place through this. Wow, drama, wonderful drama. Thank you so much. This book can be had at the Meditation Museum. What's it all about? Drama by Sister Jenna. Okay. Oh, Shanti. You got me on that have one. A, Thank you have so a much. Drama. <laughs> a day of game playing, okay? Oh. You know, Thank I forgot you. about that book entirely because one of the things that I've come to realize is that everything that we're actually doing, Sister Gita, is to bring us to some sense of peace or freedom or happiness. Right. It's just that sometimes the method that we're choosing is yes. not giving us that um, at a long-term basis. It's just like instant, if at all, even that. Yes. But thanks for reminding me that that book still exists. This, <laughs> this was so now. beneficial for me, and so I thought, let me share it. This reading right. is so beneficial. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. You're welcome. Take good care. Oh, okay. So let's take a few moments and pause and enjoy Message Home by Lucinda Drayton.
favorite songs by Lucinda Drayton on her Bliss CD. Doesn't that touch your heart and your soul? And on the Meditation Museum website, it says, Music is a moral law. It gives soul to the universe. Spoken by Plato. And speaking about songs and music, Alanis Morissette is a singer, songwriter, guitarist, record producer, and actress. She has won 16 Juno Awards and seven Grammy Awards and was nominated for two Golden Globe Awards. She began her career in Canada and as a teenager recorded two dance pop albums, Alanis and Now is the Time. Her first international album was the rock-influenced Jagged Little Pill, released in 1995. It established her as one of the alternative rock's foremost female vocalists of the 90s and sold more than 33 million units globally. I wonder if Alanis know that there were 33 million deities in India (laughs) at the beginning of time. So that's a very auspicious number. Anyway, Alanis has sold more than 60 million albums worldwide, and she's known for her powerful and emotive mezzo-soprano voice. She continues to write, sing, and perform, and also appears on stage to support a wide breadth of charities. The Grammy winner's devotion to emotional honesty, as well as her belief in vulnerability as an essential part of the human condition, comes through in each venture that she undertakes. And we are very privileged to have you on the air today. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) You're welcome. You're welcome. Isn't that song very touching? Yes, very relaxing, too. It's grounding. It is. It is, it is. And, you know, that's one of the things I have often wish I could do is sing, because when I sing, God comes down and wants to pull me back up. <laughs> that's great. It's true. <laughs> it's kind of that bad. It's like, oh, you oh, have no. not a note in your life, you know, just like get her off the stage of the world. They're like, we're going to give her 700 other talents. <laughs> I think that's what it is, or some other planet, some other planet. Right. And I just love entertainers. You know, I had a wonderful discussion with India Ari, and she and I just knocked it off because to me, when you uh, have the gift of a voice, I swear to you, for me, it's God singing through you. Because I believe when you're done, it's like you don't feel like the same person. Is that true? Yeah, well, it's an energetic, cellular, moving thing. You know, I always feel like we're we're unique filters and that this beautiful current of life is is careening through us at different rates and music is one of those vibrations so for me it changes my cells depending upon what song i'm either listening to or performing or even writing it just it shifts my cells Mm, beautiful now i know you you started studying piano at six and at Mm -hmm. age seven you released your first album at age 10 i was still playing with charlie's angel dolls and fan <laughs> and there you you're like releasing your albums so yeah, what my... what was your musical interest like how did that all in you know come out of you well i think at the time i was writing more f- fictionally in a way that that might be predictable but i i wasn't yet at a point where i was willing to write about the the challenges of being 10 years old. And certainly there were a few, but I, I wasn't at a point where I was writing autobiographically right out of the gate. And I, um, I at the time, it, it was a different era in music. They weren't, you know, record companies weren't leaning towards signing artists the way that they would sign Justin Bieber and just young people who are chronologically younger. So nobody wanted to sign me at the time. So I thought, all right, I'll just take it upon myself to start a record company with my friend. And we made a record based... Um, 
using some of the money that I made off of having been on a television show as a young child. You can't do that on television. So I took the money that I made from that and I <laughs> put it right into music. And um, and then that's where it all kick-started. And I, I didn't even really know I could sing because my brothers had both told me, as they are wont to do, that I couldn't sing to save my life. <laughs> and and I, I thought maybe I was just going to be a writer. And then one day in church, um, I was in church, and this really lovely woman turned around after one of the hymns had been played, and I was singing along. She whispered to me that she said, you have a really beautiful voice. <laughs> and I remember wow. thinking, wow, this is, a, this is someone I don't even know who just told me that. So that's when I started to sing mm-hmm. my own song. What do brothers know anyway? Um, you know, <laughs> they, they know some things, but I wouldn't go to them to find out what you should do if you're their little sister. Totally <laughs> Unless they're I'm trying to protect child. you. I oh, got that. Go. I got that. I got that as an only child. I'm waiting for my next incarnation when I'll have brothers and sisters who will kind of beat me up, encourage me, tell me what to do or how to think and stuff like that. But of yeah, course, the whole world lifetime. now. Yeah, yeah bless you, know, you. The you whole have many world. other. Exactly. Uh, now, sisters everywhere. Right. Now, you did a tour in the mid-90s, and you headed to my homeland, India, for six weeks on the goddess trip. Now, as you've called it, briefly volunteered at Mother Teresa's Missionaries of Charity Hospital. Mm-hmm. You hiked in the Himalayas. I can't even hike up my steps. But anyway, <laughs> um, what was that experience like? Because trekking to India is huge. Last I checked, no one came to America to find out who they were. Yeah, well, but, you know, California you know, might be an interesting place to do that, but <laughs> yeah, that is I, true. for me, that is true. it was about wanting to escape um escape a place, you know, my life went from my being the observer, you know, I have a very highly sensitive temperament. I pick up on a lot of subtleties. So, one of my favorite things to do before Jagged Little Pill, that record was released, was to sit and watch people, whether it be at airports or on park benches or whatever it was. I would just watch and observe. And and so, it, after the record came out and I became very recognizable, I I couldn't go anywhere. And if I had eye contact with someone, it would turn into them recognizing me and then whatever else would ensue after that. So my whole life changed and I wasn't able to observe life in the same way and I I became a little extra vigilant about what people's agendas were or intentions of exploitation potentially in every interaction. So it just became a lot more stressful in different ways and a lot more fun in some ways too, of course. So going to India was my way of wanting to be in an environment where every street corner was like an altar and and every moment of eye contact was a real soul-to-soul connection culturally if i can make a a crass broad stroke i would say that india's sense of spirit is an innate part of of the day-to-day culture so it was so lovely to be there and and save for a few moments on trains most people just thought i was a brown-haired north american visiting them so it was quite lovely (laughs) i could breathe Mm -hmm. and 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 be with nature nature is a big part of my spiritual practice so being in the mountains and eye contact, you know, connection and relationship, um, and that emotional intelligence is just a big part of my own development. So it was a chance for me to get away from it all and really assess what was important to me after the mayhem that was the tour for Jag Little Pill. Sure, sure. I don't think um, a lot of people are actually prepared for fame because it is, um, I don't want to call it delusional, but it's temporary. And it goes through a wave. It's a wave. And, you know, the way you ride the wave is important, but also the way you pick up yourself if you crash after the wave is more important to me. You know? And, yeah, and so um, stepping into a place that 
tends to lend um, the idea, the concept of mysticism is not a bad thing to do because a lot of people get into other forms of trying to escape what that was all about, you know? Well, it's, it's so inherently unnatural, you know, the interaction between human beings who don't know each other is a really precious interaction, whether we step on each other's toes or bump into each other or help each other out in a grocery store lineup. You know, there's a, there's a delicate interaction between strangers, and I say strangers in quotes, yeah. But then when you're but then when you're recognized on some level there's immediate projections and preconceptions and prejudgments about who you are, what you believe in, what your value system is. And to be honest, I feel very blessed in my career because a lot of people who meet me actually have a generally semi-accurate perception of me. <laughs> so it's convenient <laughs> and thankfully my songs are are so autobiographical and very diary-esque <laughs> to the point where, you know, People actually do have a general sense of me when they meet me. It's not so inaccurate. I, I have a lot of empathy for actors who portray perhaps the villain in a movie, <laughs> and they're interacted with people wow. on the street as though they're this villain-esque person, you know. Um, right. So that must be extra challenging. But there was a period of time where that tendency to want to one-dimensionalize human beings in order to move on from them and not have them require any more consideration as the whole human being that frankly, that I think everybody is. We're all so complex, you know, but I was reduced at one point to being singularly angry. <laughs> then I was reduced right. to being singularly spiritual. Then I was reduced <laughs> to being, you know, I don't know what I'm reduced to now, probably the, the health and well-being uh, teacher of some kind, who knows what. I guess I'll find out. But at when the time, it was, yeah, being publicly recognized comes with a lot of preconceived ideas about who you are, so you're never really just meeting two human beings meeting. I mean, we're rarely meeting each other anyway because we often have voices in our head. We're ultimately meeting voices in our head when we meet a new human being. We're barely meeting that person across from us. But with yeah. fame, it takes think, a whole other step up. I think the ones that I like a lot, um, the most rather, is when I'm in Hollywood and I see so many of them speaking and there's no one around. Now, those are the conversations that are very riveting because what it decodes to me is the internal conversation is so intense, mm -hmm. but... You know, the whole ability to process what's going on inside can't even stay in anymore. It has to come out. And, you know, back to what you were sharing, back in my early days of my own spiritual journey, I thought it was so important to emanate that spiritual image, and I put image in quotations. So I, I knew what to do. I was trained. I, 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 was, I was taught how to walk, how to talk to a person in conversation, kind of like charm school, but it was called charm spiritual school. And <laughs> yeah, I know that one, by the way. There's <laughs> a certain tone um, of voice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it was very interesting for me because um, folks would follow behind me like I was the Pied Piper. And mm -hmm. You know, there's that natural part of you, of your attachment to an image that you have manifested that is called then your ego, and you play through with that. But if you're really sincere about who you are and who you think you're supposed to show up in the world to be, something in your conscience will tell you, come on, come on, you know what's real. And I remembered sitting in meditation in the meditation room and I was turning to the Supreme and I was saying, I'm not what I'm projecting and it's not fair to the people. And at that moment was the moment when I felt so perfect versus what I was emanating. And so now when people see me and I act like however I act, they're like, oh, I can't believe she's a sister. She's so human. <laughs> Heaven forbid so she's like, a human being. <laughs> like I totally, I totally move away that stress factor. Like, listen, um, I'm on a journey. I mess up. 
I have a lot of love for God. I have a lot of love for myself. We're all accountable to our own feelings, and I would love company to travel with. And to me, that's just what it means. Beautiful. You know? Yeah. Yeah, And also, how easy is that to be around, whether it's a student of yours or a friend or a colleague? I mean, that's... To me, that's just the, the greatest invitation for their own humanity to show up and their own fallibility and their own perfection, not not in the perfectionism way. I don't mean that word that way. I mean that innate perfection no, of being here. And yeah, I think sometimes when there's when there's an e- when the ego co-ops what being quote unquote spiritual means, it co-ops it like it would co-op anything, right? So there's some presentational exactly. self or some egoic persona that that doesn't tell the truth about the whole picture of what's going on, right? It almost feels like our whole life story is this constant every second or every moment checking if I'm living with the ego or if I'm living with my self-worth or self, self-realization, self you know? Mm-hmm. And the whole game is like always this back and forth. Am I being truthful to myself or am I in illusion? And it's not to say that it's stressful, but it's like there are these two polarizing personalities traveling at every step, and I know that you have been quoted as saying that people forget that they are spirits in human form, and because of that, they hurt each other. So when you think of the spirit or soul, how would you decode or describe soul for our listeners? Well, there's so many beautiful words that that barely come close to describe. I often like to use the term the one permanent. You know, everything is subject to duality in this human realm, in my mind. Um, And the one permanent is that which is part of and around and through and is all that is, that is part of every part of the human experience. But there's, I think of it in terms of the continuum, and you mentioned a moment ago that there's two polar opposites. I see the extreme polar opposites, and I also see the continuum between it. And really what lies on that continuum in the middle is the degree to which I'm identifying with some aspect of my egoic self. So the ego is really fun for me when it's serving an agenda, like for me to show up at a studio and write a song played on stage, my ego gets me there. My ego has the name on the poster, you know. So I play the game of, yeah, let's play this whole Alanis Morissette thing. It sounds fun to me, you know, but then the begged question in terms of, of realizing the consciousness that permeates it all for me is, who's putting this hat on? Who's playing this role? Who's singing? Who's who's mm-hmm. asking this question? <laughs> you know, so... So for me, it's a delicate balance between recognizing all these egoic parts as different archetypal aspects of self, small s, but that the large self with a capital S for me is that which permeates all of it and blends all of it and is the integration and the, and the core of the, of the spokes in the wheel. Right. I also think of it as being under the water, you know, like there's waves and storms and, and uh, pieces of dirt and everything on the top of the water, you know, and it moves and sometimes it's still like glass and sometimes it's really torrential, but I think of myself as this, the deep, deep part of the water that is just there, you know, so, so many beautiful metaphors, so many names for source and spirit and current and life stream and all that is and (laughs) I just, I'm a linguistic person, so I just love (laughs) the idea of us attempting to corral that which can't be corralled. (laughs) I am completely getting the fact that you are linguistic from this interview. (laughs) It's so fun. And it's quite, and it's beautiful. You know, 20-something years ago, my concept of soul was that it was a point of living energy behind my eyes. And then much, much later on, for me, it became, well, that was my reference. Now, what type are you? That's what's important. 
and it took me a long time. Tell me more about that. What what type of in? Tell me more about that. Well, you know, it it took me a while to really figure out that actually seven billion of us have this natural innate gift of love, peace, purity, truth, and joy, and that's what it means to be myself. Mm -hmm. And when I'm not that self, and the ego comes in. I'm replaced by an acronym I use all the time, Alanis. You could sing a song about this one. It's called <laughs> Algae. <laughs> and hey, I like Algae. <laughs> and, and, What's and the acronym? A is for anger, L is for lust, G is for greed, A is for attachment, and E is for ego. And, you know, when I observed that it's always like during the day, it's like a switch, the switch. I'm either myself, loving, pure, peaceful, kind, generous, gentle, pure, or algae kicks in, and I'm like, what are you saying? I always know more than you. I Don't you know how long I've been on this journey? And then all these things come up, and when you're done and you look back and you observe yourself, you then determine, you know, where do I want to invest this energy? In the light or in what's dense and really no longer serves me, you know, to be my better self? So that's how, for me, I learned that the soul was this very powerful energy in my body. And when it's really being truthful, it is so light and gentle. And when it's not, it gives into what is very heavy. And it takes me to um, maybe my next question, because you've said that a lot of the journey over recent years has been a sort of a returning to your body, which you've been so separated from for a long time. Uh, What has been your biggest challenge? And what did you actually mean by that? Uh, just certain traumas, you know, that I really believe that there's a combination of the healing journey for me and its spirit, so consciousness, awareness, and the degree to which I'm attempting to not be identified with the egoic aspect. Then there's the, the body aspect for me, and that could mean everything. That means food, sunlight, physical activity, um, hormones. <laughs> all of those lovely things. Grooming, frankly, is part of that as well, as part of the care mm-hmm. aspect. And then there's the energetic field. You know, I think for a long time I was ashamed to talk about the degree to which I felt any moments of telepathy or connection, that which is beyond form, how attuned I was to it as an empath and an intuitive. But, you know, part of the energetic consideration is a big part of my self-care process now. And then, um, so a part of the body one, too, is, is the sleep. Yeah. Um, and then... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the body, mind, spirit, so mind, the mental aspect, the the thoughts, you know, the false thoughts that can that can lower vibration or energy for me that I believe just based on having made things mean certain things from my childhood or, you know, the healing from, from the false thoughts that are born from trauma, really moving that energy and those mental thoughts. So really taking responsibility right. for that, and I have a lot of beautiful teachers around that. And then feelings, which is directly connected with the body because feelings to me are sensation in the body but they can be really depending upon how masterful the psychotherapist is or the model itself is there's so many different models of psychology and psychotherapy that that really support the feeling of feelings and the movement of these currents through the body as the temporary states that they are that are really bringing us very important messages for our own evolution and our own homecoming you know so so for me this care is a fivefold care but the body is a big one because it, it was such an easy one for me to disassociate from and just fly away you know and and what i found interesting yeah. with the spiritual community and especially in the yoga community at times the danger that i noticed was that a lot of people would focus on transcending the self before the self small s 
was even defined. <laughs> so in some ways, we were tricking ourselves in ways by saying, oh, I'm transcending right now, but really what I'm actually doing is disassociating from the human experience. You know, so for me to really bust my own self on, am I, am I quote-unquote transcending the ego? Am I transcending the human experience so that I can dwell in the divine right now? Or, <laughs> or am I running away from my human experience oh. that is really trying to send messages to me? You know? mm-hmm. so that I was get big, that. I, yeah. I get that. I think many of us, uh, this is such a huge conversation because whenever we come onto the path of mysticism or spirituality, the ego is right there too. And we get into it, and we have no experience of the, what I call, the pure self or the divine self. And yet we're thinking like we're going to go full-fledged just because we read the the footnotes, like those little small notes that we used to get. And that had nothing to do with it. It was, it's such a a day-to-day process of checking what you're feeling, what's your emotional feedback like how are you showing up in front of your deepest karmic relationship and how are you showing up with the karmic relationship that's just like heaven sent it is by observing the way that you are feeling and interpreting that that has a lot to do with how you nurture your body you know and even in, in my spiritual community there is such an emphasis on i'm a soul I'm a point of light, I'm sitting behind my eyes, and nobody wanted to even get up. And I'm still struggling trying to do my sit-ups in the morning. This morning I did five. <laughs> and I'm really... <laughs> and I'm so happy that I got to at least do five, because usually I don't do any. And so I'm saying to Jen, okay, Jen, and, and you know, tomorrow, just do six. Just do six until you really get used to it. And so even talking to the body gently with love, it's for me saying, I know I've neglected you, and I shouldn't, and I was just ignorant, and I'm all good with that. But now I'm, re- I'm ready to show up for you in a good way, you know? Mm. It's so beautiful, and you're really describing and touching on something that I think is at the core of this, I call it core of, of care, for lack of a way better term, but um, the idea of the relationship. So healing is so um, present in relationship, our relationship with our body, our relationship with God or spirit, our relationship with our thoughts, our relationship with each other, um, you know, self, other, God, and body. You know, there's so many relationships in that subject-object relationship is is how we define ourselves, is how we can ex- experience love, you know, because if, if we are yeah. love, how divine is it to experience it tangibly as often as possible, you know, to be the source of it for others. So I find if I'm ever lost, and it happens a lot, <laughs> um, <laughs> just coming back to relationships, so what? where are these relationships at? How do they feel? How generous have I been? How well have I received? How well have I, have I kept the current going in a cyclical way, you know, the give, give, receive, give, receive, give, receive. Right. Um, so that you know, there's so many beautiful ways to scratch that sacred itch of 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 care and realization of not only who we are and why we're here, but what makes it being what makes it fun to be here. Because why would we be here? You know, why would there be a body with these senses and pleasure and aversion and all of these dualities and opposites? So for me, I just I think it's a playground. You know, I have a three and a half year old son, and he says to me the other night, he says, "Mommy, why why play 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 sleep?" Play, 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 sleep. 
And I just thought it was the most precious question. And I said, oh, because this is cute. a giant playground, honey, and we get to paint and dance and sing and feel all these feelings that are sending us messages. We get to sense whose energy it is. You know, how many times have I meditated and felt huge currents of energy only to realize that, you know, 20% of it was mine and the other 80% were other people's, you know, and, <laughs> and then how can I be generous with these people? I don't want to send it back to mm-hmm. them angrily, but at the same time, it's not mine. So often I'll just say a prayer for them to have access to consciousness and abundance and have access to resources so when I hand their energy back, they know what to do with it. You know, So mm. there's so many beautiful prayers and sure. rituals. You know, I live for ritual around all that. Looking back on your life, what has been your greatest life lesson to this point? There's been probably too many to ascribe it to one, but I would say... Right. I mean, there's been so many amazing teachers, Eckhart Tolle and and, uh, Esther Hicks, Abraham, just the whole idea of being aware of what what I'm feeling in the body and the sense inside the body. It's a real grounding point. I mean, we have these amazing bodies that let us come from this sense of home. You know, yogis call it being on the mat, (laughs) you know, being Mm -hmm. in the seat, you know, the Buddhists being in the seat. Um, So for me, whenever I can come back to my seat, all is well, and the degree to which I dissociate and I'm not even home. You know, being home in my body is is so huge. And when I'm not, I feel the fallout of that. You know, I feel that the choices aren't necessarily aligned with what God is attempting to share with me through my intuition. I don't even have the time or the inclination to go within to find out. (laughs) So (laughs) inquiry is a big one, too, that that muscle of curiosity and inquiry. And unfortunately, in, in our modern times, with narcissism being so epidemic in a way that it has become, that idea of being curious about other and curious about what's going on in our bodies hasn't been as cultivated as it could be in a way that would create far more peace on the planet than than we're experiencing right now. Well, I I get that. I get that. You know, it's interesting because as you're even sharing, and this is why I love doing this show, Alanis, I learn so much about me and I love uh, learning from everyone else's voice. Mm -hmm. And even just that question... I found myself even answering it as you were answering yours. Mm-hmm. And I kept coming up with, like, I'm realizing that at this point, mm-hmm. I'm really amplifying the capacity to accept the part that every soul has come into this drama to play. And somehow, yeah, as I was feeling that as you're talking, I was saying, that's it, Jen. You're accepting the part that everyone has come into this drama to play. Similarly, you too must accept your own. And I think up until this point right here with you, that's been, you know, a lesson here that I'm really moving into now. And thank you for that. Yeah, you have a number of intimate and acoustic shows that are coming up soon. And we would love our listeners to find out more about where you'll be performing and how they can get a hold of that and how are you, how are you feeling about it all. <laughs> I love to sing, so you know I'm the, mm-hmm. I'm the kind of person who would sing on the street corner if people would have me, you know. So um, my, <laughs> my website alanis.com has all the dates, um, and yeah, come on out if you're feeling pulled to. It, uh, these particular shows are acoustic shows, so it's very intimate. A lot of onus is on the voice and the words and the and the gorgeous musicianship with my my two guitarist bandmates Julian and Jason. Yeah, and then we get to play songs. You know, songs that have spanned the last, probably the last 20 years. Jagged Little Pill was released in 2005, so next year is the 20-year anniversary. We're we're excited to celebrate it. And I've done enough work now where I can receive acknowledgement without looking down at my shoes and saying, ah, shucks, and running away. (laughs) So 
So, yeah, it's going to be a really fun year of celebration and marking and marking evolution and, and, and receiving love. It's going to be a, a nice, sweet challenge for me to, to sit in all that. But this is sort of a lead-up to that for us. I've been dying to play music. I've been finishing this book that I'm writing and writing another record right now. So in the middle of all that, in the middle of the comedy and the painting and the photos and the Instagrams and the website, it's for me, if I don't sing here and there, I start withering like a, like a dying flower. <laughs> and also, um, and raising a three-year-old is no trip to auntie's home either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's its own art, you know, because for a long time I felt like the three parts were were really fighting. There was the artist, there's right. the mother archetype, and then there's this teacher, leader, you know, world comforter, quote-unquote, I, I say with a wink. So they were all fighting all the time because they wanted the front seat, mm. you know. And now they just they just blend together. They're really integrated. So wherever I go, they're all there, you know, whether I'm on stage or whether I'm speaking with you now or whether I'm with my son ever. Everybody's there, the artist, the the teacher, the student, all of these aspects are all blending into one at long last. Mm, that's beautiful. Can you share with our listeners what is Alanis' favorite life quote that she's living by right now? Well, I, I did the forgiveness project with Desmond Tutu. I had the honor of doing that. And I, I laughed when they reached out to me because they said, do you realize that I'm not the best at forgiving? I'm actually a bit of a grudge holder. <laughs> I said, are you sure you want me to represent? Uh-huh. That's why you um, got the project. Exactly. They said, no, no, you're perfect for that exact reason, because we know that you'll philosophize. You know. So I really have come to the, to the idea that, because for a long time I used to say that forgiveness was just understanding something I didn't understand before. You know, But then taking it even further and, and offering what I mentioned a few minutes ago, which is just sending people what, what I think that they may have lacked in the moment for us to have crashed up against each other while we were attempting to play. You know, And so that could be anything. I could offer them love or connection or abundance or resources that they may not have had, had access to or consciousness and that it's easy to quote-unquote forgive in that moment because you see yourself in them and you see the, the parts of my very own self I would see in them that didn't have access to resources at any given time or that my consciousness level was too low for me to really create a functional dynamic with somebody and Lord knows I've been there. So, so it really unifies. And so for me, if there's a quote or a, or a concept or an idea that I've been looking to a lot is, is, you know, do I want to move toward unity and unification and connection or, or am I moving towards separation and disconnect and harm. And that doesn't mean that we don't set boundaries, you know, because sometimes setting a boundary actually unifies and creates function, you know. So because a lot of people, when I say that, a lot of people say, well, what if you have to say no to somebody or heaven forbid fire somebody or do those human things that seem like separation, you know. And, and I really actually think that those are behaviors of unification because you're unifying with yourself and ultimately you're liberating someone to to move toward their next place too. So if, if they want to take you up on it. So I don't think that was a quote. Sorry, I didn't give you a quote, but I, I just, uh, <laughs> no, I'm more conceptual right now. That's even better. But, <laughs> you know, the, <laughs> yeah, I like the song. I love the song business. Um, you know, that's interesting because I'm Pisces. I don't know what your zodiac is. And yeah. my mother always says, you don't set boundaries. I go, I live in the ocean. There are no boundaries. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. There are many sharks, though. Be careful. <laughs> No, it's it's interesting because, um, and I'm just going to share two dimensions of this process that I've experienced personally. So basically what we were talking about in terms of boundaries when energetically we're very amplified, it feels like, okay, I can deal with it. But when I was feeling challenged, then I felt like I need some space 
to really understand certain things and capture myself so that we can work together better. So I was beginning to really understand how powerful and how important that was. And look, I want to thank you so much for being on the air with us. It was a wonderful conversation and wishing you all the best on your tour and lots of blessings to your three-year-old. I know you learned a lot of lessons there. Yes, big time. Thank you and so much. So and thanks so much really, for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. I really appreciate our exchange and feel really connected with you. Thank you so much. Thanks. All the best. Take good care. Bye-bye. Okay, you too. Bye. All right, so we really had a very interesting conversation on just really how we can combine a variety of forms of ourselves that emerges on a regular basis. And Alana shared a lot of good things for us to ponder on and to find a way to know ourselves at a deeper level because it is a process. And we are going through a variety of different experiences that are going to teach us more about ourselves. And who knows, maybe life will just become a beautiful song that would become an incredible hit and we'll get a chance to actually share our life with the world at a level in which we end up with nothing else but love. You've been listening to the America Meditating Radio Show and we had the fortune of having Alanis Morissette on the air and she's going to be on the tour pretty soon an intimate and acoustic tour that's coming up so please feel free to go to her website at alanis a-l-a-n-i-s dot com remember no one really has the capacity to take away your happiness unless you give them permission so don't and we're really here to cultivate the ability to love each other the same so do take good care everyone and thank you for keeping us alive and keeping us going Yes, bro.
when you're already late. And no smoking sign on your cigarette break. It's like 10,000 spoons when all you need is a knife. It's meeting the man of my dreams. And I'm meeting his beautiful wife. And isn't it ironic? I really do think 